0: We all want to find strong relationships, strong friendships, people we can confide in, people who know us. But why is that so? difficult. If you've ever been burned by a friendship, if you've ever wondered why it's so hard to go deep with women around you, this episode is for you. Today, Amanda Anderson and I are having an honest conversation about friendships, what it means to be a good friend, how to draw boundaries in friendship. So join us for the next 30, 40 minutes, and let's talk about being a real friend and discovering what it means to develop these Christ-like authentic friendships. Let's get started. Welcome to the Vibrant Christian Living Podcast, a place for practical ideas and powerful spiritual inspiration for women like you who want to overcome their obstacles, discover their true potential, and find lasting joy and significance through a relationship with Christ. I'm your host, Alicia Michelle, and I'm so excited to encourage you on how you can live the full, vibrant life that God has planned for you, the life that you were meant to live. So find a cozy spot, and let's get started on today's episode. Welcome back to the Vibrant Christian Living Podcast. I am your host, Bible teacher and life coach for women, Alicia Michelle, and I'm here to help you connect with God, renew your thoughts, and live a confident, balanced life. Today's topic is around friendships and It's something that we are wired to have are these deep friendships. And I know that even when we were little girls, we felt this need, right? It's something that God has put in us, and we are always trying to find people who understand us, people who get what we're going through. But we've found, if we live any amount of time in this life, that that's not always easy, that people can hurt us. That people don't want to be honest with us, that even if they aren't meaning to, there can be challenges in friendships between other people because we are surrounded and we are ourselves imperfect people. However, it is possible for us to have deep friendships with women. We believe as Christians that God created the body of Christ to encourage each other and especially women to encourage each other because women are so relational. We need these kind of relationships. So today, Amanda Anderson and I are sharing about some of the ways that we can learn to build strong relationships. How can we avoid some of the most common pitfalls in relationships? What does it mean to overshare the difference between being authentic and intimate with our feelings? Really juicy, important stuff here that quite honestly... Is not something that we may feel comfortable sharing about with our own friends because of the baggage that may come with being that vulnerable. So I pray that this episode gives you powerful tips and encouragement that it is possible to build these kind of deep relationships we long for in Christ. A little bit about Amanda Amanda is the author of the book, All My Friends Have Issues Building Remarkable Relationships with Imperfect People Like Me. And Amanda is an author and a speaker living in Southern California with her husband of 20 years and her two daughters. And her ministry is called Heart in Training. It reaches women's ministries, conferences, mother's groups, and 12-step recovery ministries throughout the country. So you can find out more about Amanda and her work at heartintraining.com. Here is that conversation that Amanda and I have about friendships.
1: Hey, Amanda, welcome to the Vibrant Christian Living Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) I am really glad that you're here because
0: in our community, we've been talking a lot about friendships and what it means to really support each other as friends. And you've written this great book on friendships and being real with each other as friends. And um, the name of your book, by the way, is all my friends have issues in case you guys want to check it out. Um, But I wanted to have that conversation with you today a little bit more about what it means to be a real friend, what it means to be able to speak into each other's lives. So first if you could share, why do you think this is such a big deal for us right now, at this point in society, that to admit that we have issues and that we can be real with each other about these deeper topics?
1: Well, I think that actually our culture is getting a little bit better about being authentic and there's kind of in the zeitgeist that it's it's valuable for us to share authentically and admit that we aren't perfect; that we can be accepted where we're at. I think the challenge for us is when we get into relationships that our specific issues start to be to get in the way of our relationships. We start wanting to image manage once people see kind of behind our armor into the actual things that we're struggling with.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, when I speak to groups of women, I'll have them turn to the person next to them and say, "I have a." I have issues and point to themselves and they can always do that and they can always laugh. But then if you actually ask a question, so what is a specific thing about yourself that you're struggling with right now? You know, that's much, that's much, much harder to do. Yeah, definitely, um, be, Because those are the things um, that actually affect our relationships. When someone tells you, when, when you know you're an imperfect friend, but then someone comes to you and says, you know, that, that comment that you made, felt really insensitive to me. Mm. It can be harder to admit in that moment we want to self-protect and go, wait, I, I'm a good friend. I'm a nice person. I, I don't want to share that I struggle with snapping at people. Right, right. And it's almost like
0: become like in vogue to say, oh yes, I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. But then like you said, it's nailing down. Well, let's talk about how you're not perfect and how I'm not perfect, because that's where we really can connect. Mm-hmm. It's not just on that surface level of being real.
1: Right. There's one thing to say that I am an imperfect person, and another thing to, to stare down how my imperfections are actually affect my relations. It may be hard for me to be around or hard for me to relate. Yeah. And, and so, um, a lot of things that I talk about in the book is that in order to be authentic with other people, we first need to understand ourselves, mm-hmm. really, to be a, a good friend who can admit that we have issues, we have to know what they are and not just I'm impatient, but starting to understand why am I impatient? What are the things that trigger me? What brings out the things about myself that I don't like? Because when I understand those things, I can more authentically share with you where I'm trying to grow, who I am and how you can help me. Yeah. Well,
0: and that kind of begs that question is Mm -hmm. how can we be a good friend to our other friends and keeping them accountable, but without overstepping our bounds or offering you know too much advice where they feel like that safety is broken.
1: Yeah. One of the things that makes people feel safe is to be able to share their emotions right when they're in the middle of them and not feel like someone is ready to fix them or solve their problem. Because sometimes we unconsciously in doing that tell people, I'm really not okay with the way you are. Yeah. And I, I would like to fix it as fast as possible. Most of the time when we give advice, it's because we're uncomfortable. We we don't like to see people in pain if you're calling and telling me that you're struggling with your child. And I jump in with all the things you could do differently. The message I might be giving you is you're not, the reason you're having a, hard time is you're not a very good mom and I know how to do it better than you do. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that I have learned to create safety in my relationships is to have a really simple phrase that I explain in the book where we just simply can ask each other, are you looking for feedback? Mm-hmm. Are you asking for feedback or do you want advice or would you like to hear my thoughts on this Yeah. In, instead of just jumping in? And for it to be totally okay for people to say, no, I don't want feedback right now. Yes. Yes. I am just having a bad day. I'm too emotional. To listen to you, or I, I just need to be heard. Because frankly, giving people advice when they don't want it won't work anyway. Right? No, and that's
0: great. It's not very you're,
1: constructive. You're right. They're not going to. All they're going to.
0: There's not going to be this this wall. And sometimes we do just mm. want to be heard. We mm-hmm. just want someone to say, "Yeah, that's difficult," or I, "I've been there." and that's and that, it. <laughs>
1: right. And that might be all we need to actually solve the problem. We just need to my best friend calls that pouring out your teapot. Like I just need to get all the steam out and then yeah. I can <laughs> then I can deal with the situation.
0: So true. Yeah. And then of course there's that other side of as the person sharing, how do we maintain that balance between sharing openly about these struggles and fears and not sharing too much? How mm. where's that line? How do we figure that out?
1: Well, I think it depends on the relationship um, how long we've been in it. Um, I speak to a lot of women's groups throughout the year and, um, I'm always being a proponent of, you know, you have to be authentic. If you're afraid you won't be loved, you have to share who you really are and see if you're loved. And I get the question a lot, like, well, I'm being authentic and it's not working. People don't, people don't like me. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, I don't know how to answer that in front of 200 people.
0: Um, <laughs> well, let's but just then, answer
1: it here. I'll just email. Let's answer it here. <laughs> um, and inevitably, almost inevitably, the woman that asked me that question will come find me l- later, or will email, or will talk more. And I find that a lot of times, what's happening is that these precious women don't understand the difference between being authentic and being intimate. That there is a time and a place for sharing certain types of confidences. And if we release the whole iceberg out of the water too soon, mm. it it can scare people off. It's mm. either the wrong time or we haven't built up enough, enough trust to share those things. If she's going to come up to me in front of a lot of people and start telling me about her childhood abuse and or a current really serious issue in her marriage with everyone around me listening, I'm thinking, what she's really looking for is a relationship that she can be very intimate in, but it takes time to build the kind of trust to be able to share those things. Yeah, that's a lot to hand a new acquaintance. It is, it is, or or a new friend, and you're likely to get hurt. So part of it is developing things slowly. Give them a little piece of the truth and see how they handle it, and then another little piece of the truth, yeah, and see how they handle it. Right? No, I totally agree with you because that's. I've been in situations like that. In fact, I remember
0: in college once I had a friend who happened to be a psychology major and mm-hmm. we were um, we had developed a friendship, but I had come to her and shared some things. And then I had shared it with an additional friend. And this first friend, the psychology major, she, I was trying to ask her, why did this other friend not get what I was saying. And she's mm-hmm. like, you don't have to share absolutely everything in your life with every person. And that was like the first time I got that concept. Like, right. <laughs> oh, oh, like this is a different kind of friendship than that new person that I have. And I was like, you're right. That's, that's totally. So that's what that, that reminds me of. And sometimes mm-hmm. we forget that in our eagerness, like we're so excited. We meet this person who's just like us and they have mm-hmm. all the same kids, same age and all this. And then we think, oh, yeah, we're still a new friend. Like it still t- it takes time to go to those deeper places and to trust each other.
1: Right. Well, and I think sometimes um, the a good way to know when we're sharing too much or how much to share is to check our motivation. Why am I sharing something? Mm. If I'm sharing something to test you, like what? I'm going to give you the darkest thing I have and see if you run away. Yeah. Bad motivation, right? <laughs> yeah. but, but truly, there are women, you know, some of us have experienced real wounding in our lives, you know, have come from really dangerous places. Those women will say, you know what, I'm really afraid that if you really know me, that you're going to run away. So I'm just going to show you everything now. Hurt mm. me now. Leave mm. now. God, I have so much compassion for you and I don't use God's name in vain there. Like mm. there's so much compassion if that's where you're coming from. But, but that will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Um, if your motivation is let me test you with this and see if you run away, you will likely get a bad result from that if we have unresolved trauma and the reason we're sharing it is because we're looking for new acquaintances to help us resolve that, that's when we need to find a support group, pastoral counseling, professional counseling for things like that. And then once we've processed that, then we can begin to share our stories and make more sense of them with people. Yeah, that makes sense. Then it becomes a
0: place of, you're relating to somebody versus pouring out your heart and expecting them to solve it for you.
1: Right. Or not, testing, not, testing their, or testing, testing like, their uh, loyalty. Right.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well then let's, let's talk about another aspect of sharing. Sometimes mm-hmm. we feel like, oh, well, let me just share that. That's not a very godly thing to do. You know, we just are, <laughs> we have these thoughts and you're like, really? did she need to say that? Like, uh-huh. Uh, that's, you know, so talk a little bit about that. And maybe some you're <laughs> running into dangerous waters, like, you know, um, this is not really the kind of sharing,
1: maybe that, maybe we need to zip our lip at that moment. You know? Right. You be. <laughs> so I grew up in church and in church, I heard a lot about that we should, um, about accountability and that part of our role as Christian women is to hold each other accountable. Yeah. And so I've grown up with women who really latched on to some verses sure about you should rebuke with all authority. The word rebuke is used in the New Testament a number of times. And so people are like, oh yeah, it's my job. I have to rebuke you. If you mm. use language, that's not good. If, if you're in a relationship that is unhealthy or you are, oh gosh, the I'm sorry, I'm going to be judgmental and say one of the worst things is if you're not being grateful enough when oh. someone is pouring out their heart. And let me just rebuke you that what you need is gratitude. Oh my goodness. Um,
0: which is exactly um, what
1: you want to hear at that moment. Which so is, you want you to know, be rebuked to have more gratitude. You're like, rebuked oh. to be more grateful. Yeah. Um, almost any time that scripture used something like rebuke was written to Timothy. Or Titus, who were pastors and teachers, so it was the idea that in your teaching, as you shepherd your flock, you can rebuke with all authority. It wasn't oh, like a carte sense. blanche, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. It we wasn't like a carte blanche like, Dude, for Dude, yeah. yeah. All of you who, who love Jesus, it is now your job to rebuke all those who are not acting like Jesus, which is not very Jesus-like. Right. So church culture in general, Christianity in general, can have sort of an attitude of rebuking people for their emotions, mm-hmm. um, which were. Changing, I think the culture is shifting to understand that it is okay to lament. it is okay to be sad. It is okay to be angry. Just don't sin in your anger. And so that's one of the things I experience is being people being rebuked for still being in the process a thought process. Um that can be a little judgmental. We don't want to do that,
0: yeah, well, and then that also begs us the whole side of personal mm-hmm. choice. That sometimes right. we're just unique, we're just different. And that, that mm-hmm. there is those, there are those gray areas in the gospel that are like, you know, God doesn't say you can't wear the red dress and you can't wear the black dress. Like it's just, it's right. open. So how can we encourage each other in our uniqueness instead of knocking each other down for those choices when this this whole issue comes up of being real?
1: It sounds so basic, but I hope that it's just so profound is that the more rooted we are in our own relationship with God, our own sense of what our gifts and callings are, the less we worry about what other people are doing. Mm. So, you know, we could look symptomatically at, here's some things not to say, here's some attitudes not to have, but when it comes down, when I really believe that I am a precious, chosen, equipped daughter of God, Mm. and that he has called me to particular choices in my life, a particular lifestyle, I suddenly don't feel so much the need to criticize yours or compare myself to you. Mm. My best friend, Jen, she and I had children right around the same time, and God called me in just no uncertain terms to quit my job. I worked part-time for the first two years, and I just heard God say, you don't have to be stressed out to be valuable, and I knew what he meant was, you and your perfectionism and your workaholism, I want to cure you, you have to quit work. God had a very specific reason for me in telling me to quit work. God did not say, all working mothers should quit. Sure. Working mothers <laughs> yeah. are bad. He yeah. He was trying to do something very specific in my heart. There was a path that he had for me. I believe now it was a path to go into ministry and to speak and to write. And I was working in secular journalism. In the meantime, my best friend kept praying, God, please let le- me leave my job. I don't want to work in a secular office. And he kept saying, stay, <laughs> stay, <laughs> stay. So she's still there and I'm still doing what I'm doing. I could be in my pajamas right now. You don't know. Um, <laughs> well, she's at the office and we have really had to support each other and be really frank about sometimes, dude, sometimes I'm jealous of you that you have a paycheck. And she's like, dude, sometimes I'm jealous of you that you're not dressed, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but we both really really have a profound sense that we did hear God's voice, and so we are doing what He's asked us to do, and so we don't have to compete with one another. Mm. And I can encourage her in what He's asked her to do.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's great. That's a great point. There is that personal choice aspect that um, allows us to be our own unique creation. In God, mm-hmm. and for Him to use us in unique ways. That even though, like, you and I both feel called to help women and encourage women, we obviously are being used as different tools in God's kingdom. It just, we are all, we all have a unique call, and it's so important that we respect that
1: mm-hmm. in our
0: friendships with each other. So then what is, in a friendship, when somebody offends us, what would you say would be, or how would we help figure out, what would be a deal breaker, a friendship not continuing? I mean, we want to always give the person the benefit of the doubt, love them the way Jesus loved, but there comes points sometimes in some friendships where we have to make a decision. So how would we figure Pull that out?
1: Pull the plug. <laughs> you have to Pull the plug, yeah, yeah. Pull the plug. <laughs> Well, it kind of depends on how far their relationship has gone. I actually, there's a bonus chapter that people can log on to get on my website that um, didn't make the book that's called Giving Up the Ghost. And it's kind of Mm -hmm. a,
0: um,
1: it's about not basically, please don't ever, ever ghost a relationship that you've, if you've seen someone more than three times, you can't just disappear from their life. You have to tell them why. Mm -hmm. Um, So it depends on the depth of the relationship. A lot of times we're it isn't about ending a relationship. It's about stepping back from intimacy in a relationship. Mm, good point. Yeah. You know, I have friends that I can call when I'm under a rock, when I'm in crisis. Um, those are the women that are like my three closest women to me. There have been women that were in that inner circle that have slowly, I've gradually kind of pulled back from intimacy because it, it, we weren't compatible in that way, or I would get hurt or they would get hurt. But that doesn't mean that we can't really enjoy each other on Super Bowl Sunday, you True. know? Um yeah. Or that they aren't part of my greater community. The main thing about deal breakers is is thinking about unrepentant behaviors, behaviors that are hurtful, mm. that will not repent of or will not acknowledge exists. Someone who says, you know, that's just who I am, you know, take it or leave it. Uh, A lot of times that means leave it.
0: Mm. Um, (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Let me give you an example. I'm a very punctual person. I absolutely always want to be on time. I feel like it's respectful of you that if we're going to be on time, that we're spending time together, that I'm going to make the decision to be there on time. Mm. I have a couple of friends who struggle with that and they probably are never going to be as on time. Um, I've chosen that that relationship is important enough to me that I'm just going to give grace in that. I tell them maybe they're half an hour earlier than they're supposed to be, right? Or I bring a book and I just, I accept that because the relationship is valuable. But you have someone who repeatedly wants to give you advice when you've told them over and over again, you don't want it. Someone who's gossiping behind your back won't stop. Someone who can't accept your no's, doesn't Mm -hmm. accept your boundaries. Mm -hmm someone who's always asking you to prove your loyalty in different ways, you know, making you Mm. jump through hoops. These are some of the things that can be red flags that maybe we need to step back from this relationship.
0: Mm. If you have grown in intimacy with this person, you can't just ghost them and like just stop showing up. But Mm -hmm. it's it's important that we tell them, I'm willing to, like you said, with your friends who are less punctual than you, like I'm willing to give grace in that because you're a great (laughs) friend. I love you, you know, but... If these these are things that are continually I've shared with you, and it's not changing. And yet, it's, it's
1: yeah, be super painful for me. Then I need to take some space. I just read an incredible book by Gary Thomas. Mm. Um, after I'd finished writing my book, his book came out, and it's called "When to Walk Away," mm. and it's about how to respond to toxic relationships. Or um, toxic people, and he does such a brilliant job of defining what toxicity really is. Mm. When you have people in your life that have a lying spirit, a murderous spirit, a cruel or wrathful spirit mm. that are unrepentant, he said, "You know, someone who is who is healthy in a relationship sin struggles with sin, and then they want to take a shower. You know, right. they want to get away from yeah. that behavior. There, it it hurts them to hurt you." Right. Um, He defines toxic people as people who come alive when they're raging, who come alive in conflict, who feed, who are fed by chaos because that's not, that's not healthy. We all have chaos. Sometimes we all lose our temper, but someone who you see really feeds off drama and chaos is someone that I believe we should guard our hearts against. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. And that's, that sounds
0: like a great book. We can link to that in the show notes so you Mm -hmm. guys can check that out. Um, Yeah,
1: if that's a specific thing that you're really not sure, I I just love his book. I talk about a little bit in mine, but I got to tell you, if it's really an issue for you, that is an incredible resource. Right. And then
0: speaking of the the, the other great men who speak on these kinds of topics, Henry, you mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. had quoted him in the book as saying, those who love us, love our no, as well as our yes. How do we navigate those tricky waters that come up when we set boundaries for our family, for ourselves, for like you said, our certain morals that we're not willing to, to shift on, mm-hmm. or just even for ourselves around downtime. And mm-hmm. these friends aren't respecting those priorities. Is that a deal breaker too in your mind or how do you handle that?
1: I think it is. Let me be really clear. I don't really like it when people say no to me. I'm still there's still a little girl side of me that says, "Oh, you don't want to play? Why not?" Yeah. Um <laughs> well, I would much rather that when I invite you to do something that you say yes. We nobody loves being told no. But what Henry Cloud means is they love you just as much when you say no. Yeah. And here's why loving someone's no is so important, because it preserves your freedom. I want you to be with me when you want to be with me. I don't want you to feel like you have to be with me. If, if I know you can tell me no, then when you say yes, it's a real yes. You're not mm. there out of obligation or manipulation. So if you're finding that when you say no to someone, they really push past that boundary, that is a sign that you definitely need to have a conversation.
0: And it's also perhaps a sign of that person maybe needing that relationship in a way that's not healthy, like you said, mm-hmm. trying to, to check their, can I trust you with this? Or are mm-hmm. you going to show up the way that you said you're going to show up? Are you going to you know, do all these things? Almost like
1: they're trying to test you. Well, and it might not be from you know, a wicked motive, but sometimes people have um, attachment wounds. I talk a little bit about it, you know, about attachment in the book. We become insecure when people say no to us because we were so inconsistently attached with in our early childhood and those stuff, that stuff lasts a long time. Dealing with our own self-awareness is so important in healthy relationships because when you say no to me and I feel that little girl twinge in me, I can tell myself, This isn't what happened to you when you were a child. You are an adult. This is a healthy person who loves you and she's just saying no to you. But yes, someone who you say, I can't talk now or I can't answer this text message or I'm not available to you today and they go into a rage or they gossip about you or they push, 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 or they say, you know what? forget it. Forget it. Mm-hmm. You can't call me. I'm done. It's a sign of someone with some unhealthy attachment issues. Yeah. And as much as you want to love and have compassion for them, you have to hold your boundaries and allow that to be their issue to work out. Wouldn't it be so amazing and loving if we could say to someone like that, I see that it's really hard for you when I'm not available. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you that I love you and I want to be in your life but I can't be available to you 24 seven. Sometimes I'm going to prioritize my work. Mm -hmm. You can't always answer a girlfriend's text message at your job, you know, or I'm with my family or I'm out with a different friend. Can you be all right with that? This is what I'm going to need to do to stay in this relationship and to lovingly ask, are are you okay? Can you tell me how you're feeling when that happens? I mean, Mm -hmm. that would be incredible if you have that conversation and she can have that conversation, she can hear it and she can respond to it you've just actually really grown the friendship as opposed to discovering that you have to get out of it. Right.
0: It does take not only her ability to hear it. So we have to have developed that, that connection and trust to be able to tell her that, but her own ability to say, you know, I'm asking this, not really, I mean, it is, I do want to, to be with you, but really, what is, mm-hmm. what am I really needing? I'm really needing maybe even deeper connection with Christ. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what I need. I'm needing something that you can't fill. And thank you for helping me see that. What would you say is a foundational truth to being a good friend kind of overall?
1: I end the book with the concept that praying together and for ourselves and one another is foundational in friendships. Mm. And and the reason that I say that is because I believe, as I said before, self-awareness and our own healing and wholeness is where we start to have healthy relationships. And I believe that happens in our relationship with God. If I come into my friendship with you just completely needy and not having a sense that I am a loved child, that I am made for a purpose, that I am accepted, that I have been forgiven, then I'm going to bring all that shame and insecurity. I'm going to put it on you. So I want to bring it to God. I want to bring it to God regularly. It will make me a better friend. Um, I also want to pray for you. I want to pray for you before I give you advice. I probably don't, but I think it would be a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) But I really have found that I sincerely do go to God for discernment and wisdom and ask him for words for my friends. Mm. and It's changed our relationships. One of my favorite passages in scripture, and Paul, I don't even remember what he's talking about, but Paul says, So this is from the Lord, but this is not from the Lord. This is just what I think. You know, Paul has like this (laughs) thing of, I think it's it's about marriage and family. I just want to know, this is just, I'm just spitballing here. This is what I think. And I found that among my three best girlfriends, we kind of will say that like, okay, I haven't prayed on this. This is not from the Lord. This is just for me. But what that shows me is we actually are seeking God's will for each other. Yeah. not just for myself, but I am seeking God's will for you. And I am aware, I'm becoming more aware when it's my flesh and my anxiety that's giving you advice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I can distinguish that between I, I am partnering with God and what He's trying to heal and te- heal you in and teach you.
0: And what a better friend we could all be if we really were, like you said, honest before God about our own self, but we were saying, Lord, help me to represent you and everyone I encounter.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's not
0: just to my husband and to my kids, but I am your living, breathing representation to every woman that I get to spend time with. And so I want to honor that by lifting her up and making sure that everything I say is edifying and and what you would want me to say.
1: Mm -hmm. I want to build you up in a way that is effective. I believe that our friendships are a huge, amazing tool for spiritual growth. I have learned more about Jesus's love for me through my girlfriends and my husband than in any other way in my life. Mm -hmm. And yet He is still primary.
0: Well, and just in closing, would there be anything else that you would want to share that you think is important for women to understand about friendships?
1: As much as we want to be real about that female friendships are tricky, I want to change the conversation about women are difficult, women are competitive, women are mean-spirited. I think deep down, women are just so deeply relational Mm. and we want so deeply to be relational and we need to see each other as allies. When we really see other women as allies, gosh, our whole worldview changes. I'm raising two little girls, you know, that aren't that little. They're adolescents, junior high and high school. And junior high, man, can be a time that you start not feeling real good about females. (laughs) Yeah, I have a junior junior higher. I got it. I gotcha. (laughs) Junior high is kind of where we start to learn that girls can be cruel. Raising one, I recognize she ain't perfect either. And She is just trying to figure it out. She's a little wounded bird who's trying to find her place in this world. I just want women to start having more compassion for one another Hmm. and believe that we have so much to give each other. And that it starts
0: with knowing Christ first Mm -hmm. for your worth and mm-hmm. for your value and then it's the overflow that we can give each other versus like you like we were saying just a need i mean we we have to recognize these are biological needs we have because we've been wired this way and it's god's wiring to help us connect with him first mm-hmm. but if that's not being met we're going to need it in any way we can because we need it to be met so yes i love right. that right One thing I heard over and over, just this resounding theme, was the necessity for us to have our own grounding in Christ first before we attempt to try to have these deeper level of friendships. I know we talk about that a lot on this podcast, but truly, if there is nothing else that you gain out of this episode, I pray that you hear the importance of your connection with Christ and getting your sustenance from Him first. That leads to so much more health and freedom in relationships. It's so much easier for you to connect with someone else and for them to connect with you. So that is the foundation, because as we were talking about, when we don't have that we can sometimes, without even realizing it, be looking for things in other people that they'll never be able to provide. So again, friend, if that's something that you need help with or you need encouragement with, I would love to talk to you more about it. You can always direct message me on Instagram. It's at Living, and I would love to talk to you more about what it means to have a deeper relationship with Christ and to let Him fill you up from the inside out. And then I also wanted to highlight some of the other Books that were mentioned here. Of course, I wanted to share about Amanda's book, which is called All My Friends Have Issues Building Remarkable Relationships with Imperfect People Like Me. She's got some great stories in there from just one sister to another, telling it like it is. And it's nice to have that inside look because, again, sometimes it's really tricky to talk about these things in real life with real people without somehow having baggage or repercussions. So we need to have these discussions as women in in a safe way. And her book is a great resource. And then some of the other books that we mentioned mentioned uh, the Gary Thomas book, When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic Relationships. I personally have only heard of the book. I have heard other people recommend it. I have not read that book, but I can imagine being that it is from Gary Thomas, he definitely has written some other powerful books, that it's a great resource. I will link to that in the show notes so that you can check that out. And on that same line are two other books by Dr. Henry Cloud, One of them is called Boundaries, which you may have heard of before. It's a pretty famous book, Boundaries, When to Say Yes and How to Say No. Very clear biblical guidelines of how to set up these lines in our lives that are healthy for ourselves, that are honoring Christ, That can help protect us from relationships, from situations that may be hindering not only us, but the other person. So that's a great resource. And then another book by Henry Cloud, Necessary Endings, the employees, businesses, and relationships that have to end in order to move forward. I read this book a couple years ago and it, yeah, it was, it was great. I think what I liked about that book was that it gave me the courage, not just the conviction that I felt that some things or some relationships needed to have some pruning or just some different approaches to them, but that it was, I wasn't crazy for feeling like this. And that perhaps even some of these things happening, yes, needed to be changes inside myself. And also there were some times that the pruning needed to be necessary. Like Amanda and I were talking about, sometimes that pruning doesn't necessarily have to be a complete cutoff in the relationship, but it's a movement backwards away from intimacy and towards just maybe a more casual relationship for the time being to protect everyone involved. So I encourage you to check out those resources. And again, I hope this this episode encouraged you, and I would love to hear what other episodes have encouraged you, any other impactful truths that you've heard on this podcast. If you have been touched or encouraged by what you've listened to today or any other day in this podcast, I would love it if you could leave a review. And again, when you leave a review, it helps other people find the podcast. It helps them learn about the resources we have here. And we want to try to get this truth about God, about living our fullest life to as many women as possible. So thank you in advance for doing that. And if it earned it, a five-star review would be amazing because again, that helps other people find the podcast. Have an amazing day. I look forward to seeing you back here next week for another episode together. Bye for now, friend.